From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. And today on Talking Tax, we're going to be talking about sales tax. If you own a business, think about how often you remit the sales tax you collect to a state revenue agency. Once a month? Maybe once a quarter? What if you had to remit it every day? Or what if the responsibility was taken out of your hands entirely and the state just collected sales tax in real time at the point of purchase? The technology exists that can make this happen, and some states are considering it. For example, on April 1st, Massachusetts deployed regulations that require accelerated sales tax remittance, and the governor of the Bay State, Charlie Baker, has an item in his budget proposal that would require real-time collections by 2024. Today, we're going to be hearing from two people about how this would work and whether this whole thing is even a good idea. Later on, we'll hear from this skeptic, Patrick Reynolds, with the Business Focus Council on State Taxation, also known as COST. But first, we hear from Liz Armbruster, a senior vice president at the tax compliance firm Avalara. Liz spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Michael Bologna about whether real-time sales tax collection is even possible and what sales tax actually is. So when we talk about sales tax, I think the easiest way is to think about it in really kind of three different components. And that's about what a business is obligated to do. And when you think about contrasting that with what could the future hold, it's really about time. It's less about what is the obligation of the business. First of all, the the business has to calculate tax that's due, right? So for businesses today, that happens virtually real time. It happens at the point of transaction. And when you contrast that with what would the view for tomorrow be, no change. It has to happen at the point of transaction. So whether a business utilizes you know, an outsourced real-time tax solution like an Avalara, or they have that data within their systems already, really, again, nothing changes. But here's where it gets different. The business, once they once they calculate at the end of a period today, has to do two things. They have to aggregate all of those transactions, put it onto a report, a tax return, and then they also have to send that to the tax authority and they have to remit the tax liability that's due. When you think about what could be in the future and, and what real-time sa- uh, sales tax actually means, um, it's twofold. So the reporting of that transaction could happen real time. And then the remittance potentially could also happen real time. Uh, why don't you tell us about examples of this sort of uh, compressing that time frame, maybe almost to real time in other places uh, around the world? Sure. So one of, the, one of the terms that you might hear is electronic invoicing, e-invoicing, right? And that is happening uh, different places around the world, places like Brazil and India and Italy. And under those electronic invoicing regimes or kind of that real-time um, report, if you will, those, those tax authorities really kind of have one of two routes. One is what is called pre-clearance. So think about, again, that transaction that happens between you and the seller. And pre-clearance means the government tax authority is notified of that transaction before the transaction actually takes place. So they are essentially validating that the calculation of tax that you've made is accurate and they put some type of certification to it. That, that happens in Brazil. So if you're at Starbucks in Brazil and you go in to pay for your coffee, 
that point of sale issues that invoice in real time to the tax authority. It comes back with a certification number on it, and the Brazilian tax authority knows to expect that transaction. That's pre-clearance. There is there are also several countries that are doing kind of a post-clearance model. So again, it's not quite what it looks like in the United States today, where it's after the month, if you will, where the transaction has happened, but maybe it's a couple of days after. And again, the tax authority looks at that from the perspective of, I want to know what's coming to me eventually at the reporting period when it's due. I want to know ahead of time. Um, and countries like Italy, for example, uh, do that. But nobody today is doing real-time remittance of the tax liability. Only the notification or the clearance of the invoice is happening. And, and what's the sort of uh, shortest time frame? Is it a couple of days? Yeah. So um, for existence today, again, the, the pre-clearance like immediately, um, the post-clearance, again, notification of, hey, I've, I've completed this transaction between buyer and seller, typically around three or four days in a post-clearance model. And then you have everybody else that effectively does what the U.S. does, which is, you know, a monthly period or a quarterly period. And at the end of that transaction, then you've got report and and uh, tax liability remittance. Well, steering back to the United States a little bit. Now, I've, I've seen you have written before all signs point to a future where payments will be defined by near real time tax compliance. What's what's driving this trend and um, what's maybe the timeline for something like that in the United States? Well, I think interesting, right? So when you, if I can step back for a second, yes, the United States might have different reasons for wanting to move to more real time than perhaps what's happening in, in other parts of the world. Um, oftentimes you think about a place like Brazil or in Europe and you hear the words, you know, tax fraud, right? Um, tax evasion happening where businesses aren't being compliant. So the motivation for trying to compress the cycle and have tax authorities be aware of transactions could potentially be different than what it is in the United States. Certainly, I'm sure tax authorities might be concerned about having all of the businesses that need to be compliant be compliant. Um, but having the remittance piece of it be closer to the point of transaction might be driven by different reasons. And those are going to interestingly be up to each one of the tax authorities to say, why does it matter that we get closer to the point of transaction when it comes to actually remitting the funds? And I can't speak on behalf of the government authorities and why they might want to do it. I only call that out because I think it's important when you consider what the motivations of the governments are. And sure, having tax funds earlier to be able to utilize makes logical sense. Um, but that really hasn't been the motivator for a change in how the process works in Europe. Well, well, can you talk a little bit more about fraud? I mean, isn't that a key driver uh, with some jurisdictions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, whether that is in the U.S. or not, you know, I don't know. You and I have talked about Wayfair um, and talked about whether businesses are actually being compliant or not. Certainly, you know, every uh, tax authority would like all of the businesses that need to be compliant with all of the rules, not just the Wayfair rules, um, to actually do that. And so certainly, yes, they might look at a model that's similar to what's happening in Europe and say, wow, that that looks great notification of a transaction that's happening to know that I, I'm going to expect to collect those funds at month end certainly could help that. Um, but again, when you think about what the Massachusetts Tax Authority 
is looking to do, or at least has, has put forward as a proposal, it's different because they're talking not about the notification per se of the transaction. I mean, in effect, they are, but they're going that one step further and saying, actually, we're talking about the collecting the tax remittance at the point in time that the transaction happens. Okay, well, let's back up for a second. Uh, what what states are kind of flirting with this idea of, of real-time compliance? And then you mentioned Massachusetts. So uh, certainly give us a vigorous description of what they're doing there. Sure, absolutely. So beginning April 1 uh, in Massachusetts, uh, they enacted kind of part one of their plan. And that part one meant that certain taxpayers with more than $150,000 in cumulative tax liability for the immediately preceding calendar year became subject to advance payment requirements. So if a transaction happened, we're now presently in the month of July, if a, if a transaction happened between say the 1st and the, and the 20th, they must make the tax liability payment by the 25th of the same month. And then for the transactions that happen post that period, they go into uh, the following month and make that typical reconciliation um, tax liability payment for the balance. And then all the transactions are aggregated onto a tax return. Um, but they are also proposing this new idea, something no one else is doing. It's called their you know, phase two. And it would require that all retailers and credit card processors, and this is where, again, we get into you know, uncharted territory, would be required to capture sales tax at the time of purchase. And it's important to call out here that the tax collected um, through credit cards and other electronic transactions would be remitted daily. But they, you also have to think about all of the uh, e-commerce in the world doesn't happen through electronic means. Much of it does, but not all of it. So they would be excluding things like ACH transactions, check transactions, and cash. And, you know, uh, we haven't figured out a way, nor is anybody saying we need to exclude cash from our economy yet. So anybody who considers this element of real time tax liability remittance will still have to contend with a cash society. And those and those cash transactions are still uh, accounted for under the the current system, which could last as long as 50 days or something? Yeah, correct. Exactly. So anything that would be considered non-electronic, right, if you will. And again, that's going to be interestingly up to Massachusetts or any other tax authority that chooses to implement something similar. Yes, I would imagine would fall under the current cycle, which is some type of post-period uh, reporting and remittance. Mm -hmm. and, and what is the time frame for this second pillar um, so they're, I think they're looking to implement this um, into, well, I want to say this is a 22. And it, again, it's phased because they're looking at, you know, the larger uh, businesses within the state. But eventually, I know that their their plan is phased to eventually include everybody. So going from the larger businesses down to the smaller ones. And I think the interesting thing to think about here. And I just mentioned it briefly, but I don't want I don't want to sail over this topic is that in today's environment, the only players really you have in this space is the business and the tax authority. Of course, you have the consumer mixed in there, but the consumer is going to stay. They're buying, remitting the dollars. The business is holding it and they, they send it off to the tax authority. But all of a sudden in this environment, you have inserted a uh, transaction processor, right? So you think about 
the credit card processors of the world who today have a function, but will tomorrow in this environment have a very different function. And so it's a shift for them, a change that they would have to implement uh, through technology. And there's a burden that in one way or another uh, gets also placed on the business and to some degree, actually on the tax authority. It's a lift for everyone. And um, has Massachusetts said anything about uh, is fraud uh, the issue that they're going after with this or what's the motivation? They haven't specifically come out and mentioned the motivator um, as far as I'm as far as I know for this. And so, again, that that's where I sit back and look at, you know, truly um, if you're not going the route of notification of of transaction only and you're really going after the remittance, um, you know, in part with this. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I, I, I wish I had my crystal ball and could tell you the answer to that, but I don't know. Um, and, and by the way, you mentioned we talk a lot about Massachusetts. Are there other states that are toying with this idea or? Who should we look at? Yeah, not that I'm aware of today that have really come out kind of something with something more formal or at least as intentional as what Massachusetts um, has has named at this point. But I would think that with technology in the state that it's in today and with other parts of the world providing an opportunity to model that I think it would be naive of us to think that other states aren't considering something like this. They just may not be as uh, forthcoming with their ideas and proposals as what Massachusetts is. That was Liz Armbruster, a senior vice president with Avalara, speaking with Bloomberg Taxes' Michael Bologna. Now we hear from someone who thinks that just because we can doesn't necessarily mean we should. Michael spoke with Patrick Reynolds from the pro-business tax group Cost about why accelerated or even real-time sales tax collection could pose a big burden on businesses. But first, he said we need to make sure we're all clear about the terms we're using. This is an area where I think that uh, words really matter here. So uh, terms mean different things uh, to different people. So whether or not you're talking about real-time sales tax collection or accelerated sales tax collection, I think you really need to drill into the meat of what you're actually talking about because there seems to be so much misinformation or misdrawn conclusions or or, or just simply misunderstanding uh, of what people are talking about, or at least that's been my experience when talking about these issues. And how would you distinguish the two, perhaps? Well, I mean, let, let, let's first of all, let's talk about what uh, what is being what was proposed in Massachusetts and as opposed to talking about abstract concepts. So there were two concepts in Massachusetts, um, one which I, I comes with the moniker of accelerated sales tax collection. Right. It, but it was more of what I would think of as an estimated prepayment. So that's basically accelerating the payment by the retailer uh, of of the sales tax that it it collected. As distinguished from the other concept that was included in the the Massachusetts budget, uh, which was inserting a card processor into the whole sales tax remittance process and and requiring a card processor to remit tax on behalf of a retailer or estimated taxes, very unclear as to what that is, and and that's the 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 process that uh, that cost has been objecting to for for a very long time. 
it, it's an idea that, that we think is just somewhat outrageous because, uh, first of all, it, it is an idea. It, this is not anything uh, for which there is a, a product involved or any sort of software program involved. And, and the technology to, to accomplish that has simply not been built yet. Well, why don't you talk about that? I mean, I know you have concerns, too, about the cost uh, of compliance w with this uh, in the business community. Sure. And, and uh, you know, we knew it was going to be an expensive uh, proposition because anytime you have to insert something in the communication network between, between retailers and uh, credit card companies and banks, um, you know, you're dealing with a very complicated uh, communication network. But every time you touch this network, it's this network between issuing banks and card banks and settlement banks, and each one of them has their processor and they communicate with the, with the retailer. And anytime that, that you touch those systems, you have to upgrade the system for the whole thing. And we saw that a few years ago when, when we went from the, the swipe technology that everybody sees when they, when they go to make a purchase to the chip technology. And just even something that simple was, was kind of a Herculean effort by all of the, the, the software and hardware manufacturers um, to try to update the systems. Sometimes we hear that this real-time compliance would shift some of the uh, tax evasion out of the out of the system. Uh, do you buy that? Would that really provide any benefits to the states in terms of uh, sales taxes that they believe are going uncollected? You know that that's a good question too, and uh, and so. I like to think of it this way, Michael. If you were inclined to uh, to commit sales tax fraud, uh, would you do so in the card economy where there's a very established paper trail? Uh, there are 1099Ks involved. Uh, the 1099Ks are required to be issued by card processors to retailers showing the amount that they've that that has gone through their systems. The and the threshold on those, by the way, is dropping to $600 annually mm. uh, starting next year. So would you rather uh, commit fraud in, in that economy where there's a very established paper trail, or would you rather do so in the cash economy? And I think most people would say, oh, well, definitely cash economy, right? Um, and, and that, I think, is traditionally where you've seen all of the tax fraud. And uh, there's a, a, a law professor at Boston University has done a lot of work in this regard. Um, with respect with respect to sales tax fraud, and we've read his reports, we've talked to him, um, and he very clearly tells us that uh, most, if not all, of the fraud is in the, in in the cash economy. Right. So it doesn't really address the problem, is what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So so if you're if you're talking about having card processors remit tax um, in order to evade fraud or to avoid uh, fraud, it it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Well, let me kind of conclude by uh, asking you a, a sort of a broad question that, um, and it's something that Liz Armbruster brought up when we, when we talked to her, which was that she she still kind of sees a future in which uh, payments will be defined by near real time tax compliance, um, and I think her view is, is that the, the technology moving that direction 
the expectation of tax agencies are moving in that direction, and we sort of are going to hit that point at some point in the future. But um, if if it's coming, is there a way to deal with that inevitability in a way that's that's uh, uh, easy or useful to the business community? Well, you know, I, I you know I worked for a nationwide retailer for fourteen years, and I can tell you that. Uh, that retailers would like nothing more than to get out of the sales tax collection business, right? <laughs> it, uh, because it, it involves so many resources from, from their end and, and it's simply a, a cost drain. Now, um, if, if there is some overly simplified system that could be implemented in the future, I, I think it's worth looking at it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come down to a cost benefit analysis. And, you know, what is the system? Um, how much is it going to cost? And what, the ben- what are the benefits at the end of the day? Um, because if it doesn't make sense from a cost benefit standpoint, not just to the states, but for the, for the businesses involved, um, then it's never going to happen. And as, as you know, the devil is always in the details. So uh, it, it's worth exploring things in, in moving forward, but uh, it has to make sense at the end of the day. And, and the, what we have seen uh, proposed in, in Massachusetts just doesn't uh, make sense. That was Patrick Reynolds with the group Cost. And before that, you heard from Liz Armbruster with Avalara. They both spoke with Bloomberg Taxes, Michael Bologna. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard or anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. For our next season of Uncommon Law, we're looking at the regulatory future of big tech. The giants need to be broken up. Facebook, Google, all of them. Is big tech impinging on your right to free speech? They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter. Misinformation, disinformation. It's like a big Venn diagram. We do not want to become the arbiters of truth. We're calling this series Unchecked. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.